everyone, this is episode 638 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Friday, June 7th, 2019. I am your host, Mark Kuznez, and today I'll be talking about Google Stadia, some more Generation Zero, the Xbox Live sale that went live today. I'm saying it's live right now. That's right. It's live. And... Some John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum, and a little bit of Killing Eve, and maybe some other crap sprinkled in. I never know where I'm going to trail off on this tangent, or that tangent, or any other tangent. But I'm going to start off with Google Stadia. I watched the press conference through the eyes of Game Informer. They did a watch-along stream, whatever you want to call it, that was posted... Yesterday, I think the stream or the the conference, the Google Stadia thing was yesterday morning, aka Thursday morning, and they talked for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and in all that time, I don't feel like all that much was revealed. Maybe there was a lot revealed, but it felt like, given how long they were talking that I would have had more information. It'll be launching in 14 countries, I believe, in November of this year. If you buy the Founders Pack or something, which is 130 bucks and comes with a limited edition Google Stadia controller, a Chromecast Ultra or some shit, and three months of the Stadia Pro subscription, which gets you free games and discounts on buying games. And that's it as far as I know. I think the pro version is also the only way to stream in 4K if you are capable of streaming in 4K. And they released the bandwidth needed to stream in 4K, 1080p, and 720p with 60 FPS. And for 4K, I think it's around 36 megabytes down. For 1080p, it's 20 down and 10 down for 720p. They said you could make it work or that it would work with only 5 down. Though, what that would look like, it also wouldn't be 60 FPS. But the the artifacting that could take place with that, who knows. But I look at those speeds and I think as someone who has 25 down, that's my speed. I could probably, I mean, I know I could get more, but 25 has been working for me, and to jump to the next tier would require a new type of connection or something, which is to say I would need someone to come out and drill another hole in my wall or whatever and install something, and I don't want to deal with that. I'm at the limit of where I could you know, upgrade and they just flip a switch and say, here, here's some more bandwidth. But to get the next tier, I would have to have some kind of installation done. And I don't want to move shit around and deal with that. So, yeah, for the for the time being, I'm fine anyway. But um, looking at the speeds and knowing people and what their speeds are, it just doesn't seem all that viable still. And you have to keep in mind that the speeds required to stream these games at 
the, these various resolutions at 60 FPS, that those speeds are, if you're only streaming the game, when you factor in having roommates or family, children, who will be streaming Netflix or something else or whatever at the same time, that means your 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 down speed is going to be different. Your your max speed down isn't the same when you're streaming on multiple devices or what have you. Maybe your wife is streaming something in the living room and your kid is streaming something on their Fire tablet, their iPad, or what not, uh, and then you want to stream your game on this device or that device. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna hinder that experience. But also, I just don't care about the streaming future. I'm not a big fan of streaming in general. I l think it's nice uh, as a convenience, but I still prefer being able to buy physical and have dedicated hardware and when or if the gaming landscape transitions to streaming only or mostly streaming my gaming time will be greatly reduced if xbox decided to be a streaming only slash game pass only service provider i would not play nearly as much as i, I play currently I like having the dedicated hardware. I like being able to buy my games and own them more than I would via these other services. I, and what happens if you lose your internet connection? Or like I said, you have a big house with people who use the internet. Then what? And I, I like having the best possible picture. Even streaming, you know, if I'm just streaming Netflix right now and just doing 1080p. You know, it's you can still notice some artifact in here and there, like or like with uh, the Game of Thrones episodes when they first launched. A lot of people had issues with them, especially at night, like the the battle at Winterfell. A lot of people were just seeing blocky messes, and that's not something you would experience if you had a Blu-ray of that or, or whatnot, um, or a download of it. So this the streaming future is not one that I look at and I'm excited about. I look at it and I, I find it uneasy. I also don't think that Microsoft is looking to to transition to a service only uh, platform or provider. You know, only having Game Pass and streaming and, and ditching dedicated hardware. I look at them, despite what a lot of people seem to think, because I keep hearing everyone say like, "Oh yeah, they're 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 getting out of the hardware game." I think that Microsoft is looking at all possible avenues and wanting to give everyone, you know, everyone who's interested in games, give them whatever option they may prefer. If you're, if you want to stream, they're going to have their streaming service. You're in the Game Pass, they have that. If you want dedicated hardware that is, you know, high powered, can play 4K Blu-rays and all that, they have that for you too, and. That's has me excited if that's how it's like in the same way that they have the the adaptive controller. I think they're just trying to provide gaming uh, ways of gaming to 
anyone and everyone who wants it. And that's why they have their play anywhere with the PC and they're, they're more open with PC and publishing games on other platforms or, you know, like when they bought Minecraft, they didn't just make it exclusive. They are, are much more open. And ever since Phil Spencer joined or ever since he became the head of Xbox, I've been Xbox's biggest fan. Yeah, as long as Phil Spencer's there, I believe in Xbox. And I believe they want to uh, do stuff for all gamers of all types, including myself, who is a curmudgeon who likes to have dedicated hardware. And yeah, you know, I still have a whole bunch of Blu-rays. I'm not getting rid of them. I don't need these digital codes. I give my digital codes away. I don't want that shit. I wish I could just buy the movies, uh, the physical copies, without the digital code packed in for a discount. Because I don't need that shit. Anywho, Google Stadia is a thing. I don't care about it. But I am excited about Microsoft's press conference this Sunday. I don't know what the time is exactly, but I'm really excited for that. Looking forward to seeing what they show from their regular studios, getting a tease of the next Fable game, seeing what the new hardware looks like, which most definitely has to be there, I would assume. And yeah, maybe we'll get some more original Xbox games announced for backward compatibility because we haven't seen any in over a year at this point, I think, which sucks. I know it's more difficult, but they look so nice that I would love to see more on there. Give me the original Grand Theft Auto games. I'd love to play through 3 again, uh, Vice City and all them. Uh, just do all the, the Rockstar games. Put on the Warriors. Put on, I mean, Bully has a 360 version. Put on, you know what? I know a lot of people don't like it, and maybe even more so now with all of the, the shootings and violence, it would be less desirable, but... I enjoyed State of Emergency for what it was. And I would like to play through that again. I would love to play through Manhunt again. Uh, so yeah, bring a bunch of Rockstar games back. What other Xbox, original Xbox games are there that I would really love to revisit? I mean, there are things that I never got around to playing, like Stubbs the Zombie. I remember hearing a lot of great things about, but I just love to see more of those in general. They don't even have to be amazing games. Just put some on there. And with 360 backward compatibility, put gosh darn sports games on there. Give me the MLB games. Give me some tennis games. Just friggin' do it. But, uh, yeah. Also, going back to Google Stadia, they announced Baldur's Gate 3, which a lot of people are excited about. My experience with Baldur's Gate was only with the Dark Alliance games, which I adored, and... Those will never come back, it seems like, uh, though I would love to see that, whether it's a new Baldur, a new Dark Alliance game, a remaster of the first two, uh, just them hitting backward compatibility would be amazing. Uh, Champions of Norath games, like all those Diablo-esque, but like closer camera games were fantastic, and they looked amazing at the time, and I would love to replay those. I love, oh God, I love Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance so much. <clears throat> Dark Alliance 2 was a bit of a disappointment, but it was still fun. I think the, the big thing about Dark Alliance 2 for me was, oh, I can dual wheel. I don't remember if you could do that in the first game. And I had like a, I had like an ice and fire sword, and I was a badass. But I would love to see those games come back. Uh, 
Anyway, moving on to what I've been playing because I don't have any E3 predictions. In my E3 predictions, games will be announced. People will be snarky on Twitter. And, yeah. Square Enix will announce Quiet Man 2. And it'll be the best looking game of E3. It's going to win Game of Show from all outlets. There's not going to be a single outlet that says any other game. Uh, yeah. It's weird how not excited about E3 I am. Uh, with Sony not being there, despite not loving Sony, it was fun watching their their conferences, whether they were good or bad, because they were big. And I like uh, Ubisoft, but I can't think of anything that I'm super excited about from them. I don't care about Skull and Bones or whatever that's called. They announced a new Rayman game. That'd be awesome. If they have some indie games, that'd be great. A new Ubisoft could be a, a like Ubisoft has pretty solid franchise or, or conferences, and they could pleasantly surprise me this year with a new Splinter Cell, which I would fucking go crazy for. A new Rayman game, which I would love to see, just because those games are fun and beautiful, and I'd love to see another one. And Watch Dogs 3 is vaguely interesting. I like the first one a lot more than the second, only because it was Chicago, and I am from Chicago. I wanted to get into the second one more, but there was something where I just fell off. So there's that as well, and then other than that, I don't know. There's not going to be another Far Cry, I don't think. There's no Assassin's Creed this year. Uh, I, like I said, I don't care about Skull and Bones. Uh, and then who else is there? Capcom doesn't do anything, so their game would have to be like Microsoft, I guess. Um, but what the hell is Capcom working on? I, yeah, the Resident Evil thing. If, if that's announced somewhere, I'd be excited to see a Resident Evil 3 remake. Or are they going to jump to Resident Evil 8? They don't want to do two remakes in a row. Or maybe they have both at the same time. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the 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 big surprise that would be amazing is Konami showing up on Microsoft stage with just announcement. Like They don't have to be exclusive or anything. Like, Microsoft, we've acquired Konami. And now we're going to make some new games for Xbox. Forget Gears of War. We're making a new Contra that's going to be the most amazing thing ever. I would love to see that because it would be crazy. But I would just like to see anything from Konami that I know is not going to happen. It's not going to happen at all, but that'd be nice. What would be what would be crazy and cool and amazing and something for next gen to help Microsoft and Xbox make more of a splash in international markets because that is where they're dying. I think when you look at the numbers, because they're never going to reveal the numbers anyway, but I think if you compare the numbers for the Xbox One and the PS4 in the U.S. or maybe even North America as a whole, they're probably very, very close. But then when you go outside of the U.S., I think that's where the the difference becomes enormous in Europe and then in Japan there is <laughs> I, I wonder 
I'm assuming there are less than 100,000 Xbox Ones in homes in Japan. Maybe there's less than 10,000 at this point. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what the new hardware is. Because I'd be surprised if they didn't show that. And if they, like how detailed they go into it. If they get pricing as well. Because that's the biggest, that's the biggest game. It's the price. It doesn't matter how good the, the hardware is. Cheapest price wins. Uh, so yeah. Moving on to what I've been playing. So outside of Generation Zero, I haven't had time to play much of anything. I haven't played much Generation Zero either. And while I was kind of excited about Generation Zero last episode after playing DayZ and, and being really disappointed by DayZ and it making me think back on Generation Zero and wanting to give it another shot, I have now stopped playing Generation Zero. And the reason for this is because I'm fine with jank and all that nonsense. I don't mind it. But what I'm not fine with is progress killing bugs. And not so much progress in terms of leveling up or story progression or any of that, but in loot acquisition progress. The the bug I ran into was one of magical disappearing ammo. And in a game where ammo is somewhat of a commodity it's not that easy to come by especially ammo for any gun other than the pistol it is frustrating when you lose all of it so the first time i lost my ammo it was for my hunting rifle i had about 75 bullets and when i loaded up the game again after one play session or this might this particular case might have been where i died and respawned all my ammo was gone and I didn't know what was going on. So I quit out to the main menu and relaunched the game and it was still gone. And when the ammo is gone, it's gone forever. It ain't coming back. And that frustrated me and made me question whether I should keep playing. But I said, I'll stick with it because I'm kind of getting into this. So while that sucked, I will persevere and push through. But then I played for about another hour and quit or whatever. And the next time I relaunched the game, my pistol, which had about 315 or so bullets in it, was empty. There are no bullets in the chamber, in the clip, or in my inventory. Every bullet for that gun was gone. It went bye-bye. And that was the point in which I turned off the game and said, Nay, no more. I will not play you anymore until you fix this bug. Because it was a very bad bug. It's, it's, it's just the kind of bug that will make you want to just never play a game again uh not any game again but that the said game where the buggy exists and that's what it did it, it made all my excitement for generation zero go away because I, I was genuinely enjoying my time with it despite like i said it, it's a pretty empty experience but it was also very relaxing and 
now I just have to wait until it's hopefully patched and updated and fixed because the the jank is definitely not as significant as it was at launch. And even then, it's not game-breaking or anything like that, so I don't mind the jank. But stuff like that, where I lose all my ammo that I have accrued over multiple hours, I don't like that. Uh, and the loot in the game seems to reset on like some kind of timing-based system where when you are away from the game for 24 hours, like loot will respawn in an area after 24 real-time hours or something like that. That's my assumption based on my experience with the game and going back to areas and seeing them stay looted for a certain period of time, but then they're, they're full of stuff to loot again after more time. Um, but that was really frustrating. And then Apex Legends had an update in preparation for Season 2, and they're going to have... EA is going to have a conference i guess tomorrow i think at 8 a.m pacific time i'm not sure if that is the exact time you'll have to look that up yourself i'm not going to do that but they'll be showing off the new star wars game and talking about apex season two which i'm excited about the update added apex elite mode which is where you play uh, or where people who end up in the top five can play and the way it works is that you get in there if you end up in the top five in a regular Apex mode. And then when you're in there, you keep playing in it if you if you keep ending up in the top five. And then you have this streak, which you can add as one of your uh, like badges for your... Or not badges, but the icons or whatever they're called for your character profiles. And if you lose your streak, if you end up out of the top five, you'll get one chance to start a new streak or you'll be kicked out back to basic apex and then have to get in the top five again to re-enter elite it's fun it's a nice way to i don't know, give you some incentive to do better and just makes it so that the quote-unquote better players can play against each other though it's pretty easy to get in the top five so it, it doesn't mean anything in my experience with top five players isn't any different than my experience with normies they all seem to play the, the same one thing i do like and really appreciate is that in the elite mode if you don't end up in the top five and during the game one of your teammates drops just quits on you that doesn't count as a loss against you because they look at it and say well one of your teammates quit out on you so it wasn't really fair we're not going to count this loss against you so you can stay in elite mode for you know another match or two so i like that they added some weekly challenges uh get two kills end up in the top five five times and a few others and those are nice i hope they aren't just this once go around uh, that they keep adding more weekly challenges because that again gives people more incentive to play and something to to strive for so i like all of that and and those challenges have rewards whether it's skins for guns or, or characters which is nice and yeah I, I still adore apex legends and yeah i'm excited for season two it seems like uh, they're going in the right direction and i'm 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 curious if 
tomorrow during their conference if they'll announce either that cross-play, cross-regression, or one or the other, or both, is now live or will be live with Season 2, or if they will at least, if it's not in the near future, just give us some kind of window or date or idea when it will be live, or at least say, you know what, we're still working with Sony. They're not being the most uh, accessible, but we have cross-play with PC and Xbox One or something like that. I don't know. Because that's all it's on right now, right? There, There's no Switch version of Apex. So it's just PC, PS4, and Xbox One. But, um, yeah. Loving that still, of course. Uh, moving on to what I've been watching. I, I watched John Wick 3. And I liked it. I liked it more than the second. But I still prefer the first movie way more than either of the sequels. And the reason why is because... The first one is at least grounded in some kind of reality. And John Wick is this kind of boogeyman, this person with a reputation who's a very skilled hitman, but isn't unkillable. And I like that. There, There's also the simple but strong story that gives him motivation to do what he's doing whereas in the in the next two it's a very loose story that is just enough to to sprinkle in between all the fight scenes it's like let's just have the thinnest of threads that we can tie all these fight scenes to which is fine but i would like a little more story or something to latch on to but my biggest problem with the movie's post the first one is just how ridiculously unkillable John Wick is. There are multiple situations where it doesn't make sense for him to be able to survive this, or the other characters could easily kill him, but they don't for this reason or that reason. And I'm just like, just just get on with it. And there are stupid things that John Wick does that don't make sense outside of them looking cool or being quote-unquote more badass. There is a scene where he is taking on armored uh, troops, and after using his pistol and some machine gun that weren't being all that effective unless he got up close and was able to shoot them in their neck where there was uh, not armor plating or anything, he got a shotgun and armor-piercing slugs and then took them on. But he did not have unlimited ammunition, However, he would still at times shoot someone in the leg and then the other leg and then their chest and then their head and waste four slugs on one person. Why? Because it's fucking cool? Sure, fine, whatever. And I know you're all saying, just, you know, it's it's about the suspension of disbelief. Just remember, it's a movie. It's just to have a good time. And I get that. I had a good time. But there are those moments where I get taken out by how stupid some of this stuff is the the fight with Halle Berry and her dogs was fantastic that was the best fight in the movie by far but I was still a little disappointed even though I liked it more than the first one I really hated the bald Asian guy he's some mixed race I think he was also the non-party of five double dragon guy in the double dragon movie that's that's what I always remember as uh, him as uh, that that wonderful classic, but I didn't like him, and 
some of the story bits and the expanding of the universe were just I, I looked at them and I thought this this is like the this is the big place this is the, this is the leader okay whatever not as exciting or as interesting or as cool as I thought it might be um but it's it was good you know it's John Wick people like like it I still prefer the first though um and then I've been watching Killing Eve I've got one episode left of the second season and. I really, really like that show. I think it's a fantastic show. And what's funny is it's written by Phoebe, whatever her name is, who also did Fleabag and Crashing. And it's it's made me wonder if my issues with Fleabag and Crashing, I enjoyed Crashing enough, but I didn't love it. Uh, but I have the same problem with Crashing that I do with Fleabag, and that is that the the characters that Phoebe herself plays are not likable and I I don't like spending time with them and that's the biggest problem with Fleabag I I don't want to spend time with her I find breaking the fourth wall and having characters speak directly to me to be something that is very tricky to pull off and in many cases I am not a fan of it. And that is a staple of Fleabag. It's just her constantly talking to me. And I'm like, just fucking leave me alone and do your shit on the screen. Stop talking to me. I don't want to hear it. Just do your shit. But she kept talking to me. And it makes me wonder if I think, or if there's just something about her that turns me off. Or if it's just that the only actors, the only characters I've seen her play are unlikable. But... I, I really love Killing Eve, and because I only know her as these unlikable characters, I'm so happy when I read an interview that she decided not to put herself in the show, because there are some people who are thinking, why didn't you put yourself in this show as well, cast yourself in it? And I'm so glad she didn't, because I can't I can't see her playing either role. I, I think it would, be, it would be so much worse if she was one of the lead characters, the two actors actresses they have as lead characters are fantastic and i'm so happy she's not in it but she's a fantastic writer with killing eve at least uh and you know parts of crashing and fleabag could be okay i guess i don't know yeah if i if i just read it i might like it more than actually watching it but it, uh, it killing eve has made me excited about the next the next bond movie because i don't know if she wrote the script herself or if she did like a pass on it to just like touch it up and stuff but i know she has some involvement with bond 25 is it how are there that many bond movies but um that has me more interested because killing Eve is very well written and it's just a very good show it's a bbc show the first season is on hulu the second season i think you can watch all of it on BBC America's site. If you have uh, BBC America, uh, or if you have a a, a cable login, but uh, is this very good? So yeah. Outside of that, I finished the second season of Happy, and man, oh man, what a disappointment! I love the first season so much, but the second season has a handful of storylines that I don't care about. I don't like the Immaculate Conception shit with. The, the mother 
in the way she's acting. Like I found her to be so annoying and, and found her, her storyline to take away a lot from the momentum of the, the series every time it would cut to her. And overall, there was a, a mopey vibe to a lot of it with a lot of characters just being more mopey and it being less fun. But the more I watched it, the more I thought Christopher Maloney would make a fantastic Max Payne, specifically for Max Payne 3. He even wears like floral short sleeve college shirt multiple times and has not a harness, but he like wears a, a backpack at one time, which looks sort of like a harness. I'm just, he would make the perfect old curmudgeon -y, been around the block a million times Max Payne in a movie. I would love to watch that movie. He is so good in this show. I, I think part of it is the fact that he was from Law and Order, whatever procedural show he was from, and playing a straight-laced dude. And then to see him play this schlub it is a really fun contra uh, contrast. And he's just so good in it, too. He is he's fantastic in it. There are talks that maybe it might get picked up by Netflix or something, because I guess the first season has been doing really well on Netflix. So while I was really disappointed with the second season, I would love to see more of it come back because I think there's still so much potential in the premise and seeing him play that character is something I would not pass on. Uh, though, of course, it could go terribly wrong if they continue it again because Happy was based on like a, a four-comic series um, that never had a a sequel or anything so it's just four comics and then they stretched that into season one and then everything in season two was made up for the show but uh he's he's fantastic in it he should be nominated for an award for it <laughs> there's no way a show like that and performance like that would be nominated but uh yeah that's a good place to end this year episode once again i'm your host mark kuznes y'all can find me on twitter and pretty much everywhere at px sauces the site is of course pixelatedsauces.com where you can find this podcast the pixelated paranormal podcast and attack the backlog which are all available on podcast services across the globe like stitcher radio google play apple Podcasts, and spotify and if you'd like to check out the video version of this year's show or attack the backlog you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage and watch them both there if you'd like to check out the art i make you can go over to pxsart.com and check it out there if you see something you like click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy and if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do please go over to patreon.com pxs and support us that away as always thank you for watching or listening i hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.